Hi everyone, welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How Do You Do It and Why Should I Care? This this series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Anicia Santos, who is a technology consultant and problem solver. Hi there, how are you? I'm good. Um, And just one quick correction, it's Anisha Santos. Oh, okay. Let me start from the beginning then. (laughs) Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled, How'd You Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Anisha Santos, who is a technology consultant and problem solver. Hi, Anisha. Lovely to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on. So I guess we can dive straight into the questions and first start off with a quick introduction about yourself and maybe a main answer to the podcast question, which is, how do you do it and why should I care? Sure. Um, So currently I am working at a global uh, public health initiative called Resolve to Save Lives, where we're focusing on epidemic preparedness as well as cardiovascular health. And we typically work uh, with low and middle income countries Uh, to prove out various programs that'll make improvements in those main public health domains. So as you can imagine, COVID uh, is right in our wheelhouse. And that's actually how I started with Resolve to Save Lives was working on their US COVID response program. Um, I was brought in as a technology consultant. And before I was at Resolve, uh, I was at a small healthcare startup for about a year Um, That was uh, pre-Series B when I made my commitment. And before that, I was actually at Looker, which is a data analytics platform that was acquired by Google. Um, I sort of feel like a lot of this has happened somewhat accidentally. I was a pre-med major in college and decided that I wanted to try basically anything else before I made a commitment to med school. Um, So I took a road trip out to San Francisco right after I graduated and ended up never leaving Uh, And like many people who are in the San Francisco Bay Area now, um, I found my way into tech after about six months of working at a recruiting agency. So I think uh, a lot of my career has really just sort of appeared in front of me as various options. I've been very intentional about the leadership teams that I choose to work with, as well as the companies that I choose to work with. Um, And I'm pretty passionate about uh, access to healthcare which is how I got into um, my current line of work. That's awesome. And so as you mentioned, you kind of tried out a lot of things before you entered this industry. And I'm curious, what were the best resources that kind of exposed you to all of these different options in Korea? Yeah, um, honestly, I uh, was very lucky to have a... um, a good mentor at my first tech job, um, which was the job that I uh, stayed at for two and a half years. Um, I came in really as a jack of all trades doing operations, um, was the 10th employee there. And um, one of our co-founders who ended up being my direct manager really would just ask me what I wanted to work on, um, ask me if there were certain skills that I wanted to learn, Um, helped me learn SQL and learn how to do data analysis. Mm. Um, And so I think I was very fortunate in having a mentor as a resource. But prior to to working at that company, I really hadn't seen anyone else who could act as a mentor for this current career path I'm on. Um, Mm. I definitely looked a lot in the medical field and my mom's a pediatrician. So I had some insight there. But really, a lot of this has been figuring out uh, what I'm doing by watching other people who are already doing it. 
And of course, I, I try to stay um, up to date on uh, my own social justice uh, participation. Um, and I would say that that guides a lot of my work. So it's a lot of reading around uh, history, um, fiction that exposes me to, to other uh, different types of backgrounds and experiences um, and letting that passion guide me. That's great. And um, following on from that, it seems like you spoke to a lot of people and had a lot of exposure from them. But what were any lessons that you wish you would have known before joining this industry and, um, you know, things that people didn't tell you? Hmm. Um, Honestly, I wish that someone would have told me uh, about the massive issues in the technology industry. Um, particularly when it came to diversity and inclusion, which has now moved into equity and belonging. Um, I was very fortunate that I had enough privilege to really um, get access to folks who were at least adjacent to the tech industry. And I don't think that I would have been able to really um, get into tech as a uh, queer, gender nonconforming woman um, who never really had any exposure to technology before moving out to San Francisco. So I, I wish that I had had an idea of, um, of what those chances realistically were for me to break in here. Although maybe if I had, I wouldn't have actually come in here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, uh, the other lesson that I wish I had known upfront is that um, there is a sense that tech is is removed from personal experience and it's putting a computer between um, a person and an experience or a computer or a device between a person and another person. Um, but tech is inherently very personal and the impacts that it has are very personal and that can happen on a very wide scale. So I think just um, knowing more about the responsibility of a technologist would have been helpful to have earlier in my career. Definitely. And thinking about your whole career in general, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Hmm. Um, Besides not going to medical school. uh, Yeah. um, I mean, I think it's really hard to identify something as a failure because even when I have been in roles or in jobs that were absolutely the wrong fit. Um, the skills that I learned in those jobs actually helped me to get a job that I liked more or that I had more room to progress in. Um, so I, I don't know that I would say that anything in particular was a failure only because I was lucky enough to always be surrounded with people who uh, knew their way around tech, had enough privilege or, or knowledge to share with me um, and who were able to, to give me a hand when I needed one. That's really great. And um, following on from that, you've been dropping some really great pieces of advice throughout our call, but what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who is wanting to pursue a career similar to yours? Probably don't do it. Really? <laughs> um, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, I never would have predicted this career or this job for me. Honestly, mm-hmm. I didn't know what a sales engineer or a solutions architect was until I, until I started doing the job. Um, and it's, it's not an easy road for anyone who isn't, um, a cis white, uh, a cis white man, I suppose. Um, and I think that if, if I were to give someone any kind of advice about trying to 
break into tech uh, or become a sales engineer. It's really about who you know, finding someone who's doing the job that you want to do and trying to get them to, to give you some time and give you some advice and, and build connections. Um, this is inherently a people-based business. And especially if you don't look like the norm um, or like the mainstream, you're going to have to do that much more work to really make yourself feel connected to the people who are holding that power. Definitely. And since you've been in this industry for quite a while now, what is one myth that you would like to debunk um, sort of about the industry that you work in? Probably that we can uh, continue to innovating for the sake of innovation without any kind of social impact. I think you're seeing that with things like Facebook, um, with uh, Twitter, um, and the, the various ways in which they have supported authoritarian regimes, whether incidentally or not. Um, when we innovate, we have to be very conscious about what is the impact on a very small local community or group of people, and then how can that impact get exploded if we're just releasing new technology that we don't truly understand to the rest of the world. I think this is something that's in particular very concerning with regards to AI and machine learning. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to look more at uh, net impact outside of technology rather than focusing in on what cool new things can we build and what can we make those cool new things do. Definitely. And more about you, because I think I think you're such an interesting person. So what have you read or listened to recently that's really inspired you? Um, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Um, I actually am quite behind the ball in listening to the new Jim Crow. Uh, mm -hmm. But that gave me a lot of um, exposure to history that I just never would have known about uh, in terms of the history of police and policing and criminal justice uh, in the United States. Um, so I would say that that was quite informative. Um, Adrian Marie Brown wrote this very short book, We Will Not Cancel Us, about cancel culture and the differences between conflict and harm and abuse. Um, and I think those distinctions are very important for uh, technologists, especially to know about so that we can build safety into the products that we're releasing, um, especially on the B2C side. Uh, I have a passion for working with social networks and rethinking um, the, a way to connect virtually that doesn't recreate the problems of something like Facebook. Um, so looking at conflict resolution and any kind of interpersonal relationships and how you structure those relationships is, is very interesting to me. Awesome. Um, one other thing that I will uh, plug is Data yeah. and Society has a, uh, a podcast called uh, Becoming Data, I think. Um, but they do really incredible work and, and have a lot of um, information that I just don't really hear anywhere else on uh, the intersection of data technology and social justice. That's really great. And following on from that, you seem to have some amazing people who have really, you know, walked into your life and helped you, you know, mentored you and things like that. But I'm curious, who are three people who have been the most influential to you in your life? Oh, man. Um... Sorry, it has to be three. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know if I can name three. Um, I, I take a lot from a lot of different people, as I'm sure that we all do. Um, I have a lot more than three people in my family, but I would say that they're, they have largely been the most influential. Um, there are not that many people who have, um, our indigenous identity uh, and have grown up in experiences like we have. And so 
Um, if I ever need a, um, a gut check on what I'm feeling, or if I'm trying to see if anyone else feels the way that I do or, or get more insight on that, my family is usually who I go to. Awesome. And then finally, to round up our conversation, what is one piece of advice that you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? Um, get comfortable talking to people. Conversations are how a lot of business uh, happens, how getting to know people happens, obviously. And that can lead into some really beautiful things and also um, teach you a lot. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And that's a lovely way to sort of wrap up our conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today, Anisha. It was absolutely lovely to hear your story. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you then. Bye-bye.